Welcome to the book reading program of 3ABN Australia Radio. Does your faith need a boost? Do you think that miracles only happened in Bible times? Think again. Compiled by Remnant Publications, the book Get Ready for a Miracle recounts true stories that prove that when we step out in faith, God displays His power in undeniable ways. Here is our reader, Harold Harker. This story is entitled, Going Back, Giving Back. Isaiah 49, 15 and 16 reads, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. I was born in Vancouver, British Columbia, and lived there until the age of eight when I moved overseas for ten years, four in the South Pacific and six in Central America. We established an auto mechanics and body shop in the small community of Bella Coola on the west coast of British Columbia, Canada, when the war broke out between British Honduras, now Belize, and Guatemala. After less than two years, I left the family business and became a dental assistant. For the next 18 months, I travelled to most of the remote native communities along the British Columbia coast, like Bella Bella, Klemtu, or Katasu Ocean Falls. I built my own log home in Bella Coola, then sold it and moved to the interior of British Columbia where I worked as a gold miner in the little town of Likely. In 1994, I received an invitation to attend a school reunion in Fiji. I decided I didn't want to go, insisting that I was way too busy making money. My wife Jackie maintained that I should go because I never stopped talking about the place where I'd left my heart as a child. Two days later, Jackie had purchased a ticket to Fiji, stating, I have a real strong feeling that you need to go. I was a little upset, but the next day I boarded the plane, all the while consoling myself that it was for only a few days. Little did I know that my life would be dramatically altered that week. I landed in Fiji, rented a car, and drove three hours around the island to Fulton College, where I had attended grade six back in 1973. Many years ago, my father had moved us there while he helped to build a new men's dormitory. When I reached the school, I parked, got out of the car, and stood there for a moment, then, a tidal wave of emotions hit me that, to this day, still wash over me. I stood by the car and listened to the people singing in church, and I realised that my heart had never really left this place. This was a place where, as a child, I was happy. It was a place where both of my parents were with me. I recall that only a few months before moving here, my parents had reconciled after a year of separation in which I did not see my mother. 
I was nine at the time, and in my mind, we were now in a place so far away that neither of my parents could leave again. It was a place where I could feel safe again. The music of the South Pacific is something that touches the soul. Overwhelmed with tears, I stood for a while, trying to regain my composure before going in and taking a seat. I wasn't sure why I was so emotional at first. Then I realised that I had let 20 years pass by thinking only of myself and what I could get out of life. I had forgotten that the true purpose we are placed on this earth is to serve others by serving God. Afterward, I went and sat quietly and thought about the days when I ran through the jungle, swung from guava trees and ate mangoes until my belly hurt. I thought about the day when I was sent to the white school three miles away. It wasn't socially acceptable in those days for a white kid to go to a native school. I remembered that after five days of attending the white school, I just stopped attending there and snuck over to the native school and asked the teacher if I could stay. I was the first white kid to attend that primary school. I was lucky in Fiji as they taught in English. Those were some of the best years of my life, running free, swimming and playing rugby. Sure, I got a few beatings from the principal. It may be hard to imagine, but I was not the best little kid on the island. I know that if Ritalin had been available in those days, they would have given me a double dose. Even today, Jackie says she's tempted to put some in my hot chocolate. I found out years later that my dad had spoken to the principal of the Fijian school. Master Manu was a huge six foot five inch tall, 300 pound Tongan. Dad told him that he didn't want the native kids to feel that because I was white, I would be given any special treatment. The principal took him seriously and I got more than my share of punishments. If you got any questions wrong on a test, the principal would take a small stick and wrap you over the knuckles. If you were caught talking in class, then it was a snap of the stick on the tip of the ear. Ouch! I can still feel it today. If you failed to do your homework, then you were sent out to the bush after school to peel the bark from a tree that was used for medicine. Let me tell you, that was not an easy job. I only went once. Now, here I was back in the South Pacific again. I could not believe that after 20 years, things had not changed much. The thing that hit me the hardest was the strong, open racism by the whites toward the natives that still existed. The homes of the white teachers were air-conditioned. They had running water, and solar hot water systems on their roofs. They had nice new cars shipped over from Australia and they still taught their children separate from the natives. I could not believe it. The school library still had the same books that I had used as a child. The food served was no different from when I was there. 
the bad-tasting cassava. A staple food in the South Pacific was still served, along with perhaps a sweet potato every once in a while. The children were still getting boils on their legs due to poor nutrition. I too had my share of boils as a kid. I walked down to the small native home that my father insisted we live in when we were there. We were offered one of the houses for white people, but my dad said no. I admire him to this day for his strong belief that we were all created equal. He would not believe one thing and live another. It was through his example that I learned life's greatest lessons, more so than anything he ever said. One of my friends, Simeone Nakasamai, who had been in my dad's mechanics class, told me that years after we had left, he became the mechanic and the maintenance man for the school. He told me a story that made my blood boil. He said that one day, a white teacher called him to fix a broken electric water pump that moved water from a large rain barrel on the side of the house up to a small barrel on the roof so they could have running water in the house. Simi took the pump off and said he would try to fix it. However, the teacher did not want to wait and demanded that Simi go to town and purchase a new one immediately. Simi did just what he was told. A few days later, Simi decided to take the old one apart. Regardless of the teacher's position on the matter, he found the problem and repaired it. He then made the decision to take it down to the home of a native teacher who only had a hand pump. It took this teacher more than an hour each morning to hand pump sufficient water for the day up to the roof tank for his wife and five children. Just days after installing the electric pump for the native teacher, Simi was called into the office by the white teacher and asked what he had done with the broken pump. He explained what he had done. The teacher promptly told him to remove it and put it in the spare parts room to be saved as a replacement for the white homes. Simi refused and was fired. He took his family and left the school to look for another job. I could not believe things like that were still happening. How could people who were there as missionaries treat the people they were supposed to help this way? I was outraged. I vowed right then and there to see if I could help the people I loved, the people I consider my brothers and sisters, people who are no different from you and me. After spending several more days there, I returned home and described to Jackie everything I had seen. I told her that we needed to help in whatever way we could. I explained that I wanted to try to help the children there get a better education. I believe then and now that the only way to encourage anyone is to give them the tools to help themselves. And one of the best tools is education. You see, I did not get much of an education. I barely made it to ninth grade. Maybe that is why I believe so strongly that it's the key to a better life, especially in third world countries. 
I cannot tell you how I struggled when I returned to Canada due to my lack of schooling. For the first year, I could not even speak English well enough for people to understand me. As for my spelling, well, all I can say is thank you, Spellcheck. After returning, I decided that I would try to set up an industry at each school the following year. Jackie asked, why next year? Why not now? It was a good question. So, less than three months later, we were back in Fiji setting up two sawmills. That's what we've been doing now for the past 10 years, setting up a bakery, sawmills, sending tractors for farming and replenishing libraries. We have distributed thousands of pounds of clothing, medical supplies and building materials. In fact, more than a million pounds of aid have been shipped since 1995. By the way, our friend Simi did another job. He works with me as president of Partners for Others in Fiji. Since 1995, Simi and his wife, Makalisi, and their three sons have helped distribute all the goods that we send throughout the South Pacific. A reflection from this story comes from Christ Object Lessons, page 149. Angels are watching with intense interest to see how man is dealing with his fellow men. When they see one manifest Christ-like sympathy for the erring, they press to his side and bring to his remembrance words to speak that will be as bread of life to the soul. So, God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19 This story, going back and giving back, was used with the permission of Ryan Jackie Brosiuk of Partners for Others in British Columbia, Canada. You can visit the website for more information, partnersforothers.com. You've been listening to the book reading program by 3ABN Australia Radio, featuring Get Ready for a Miracle. For more information about this book, visit remnantpublications.com. Thank you.